Welcome to the Tony Acosta Show. Tony is a top producing broker whose team has consistently been in the top 1% in the state of Utah. He is a chapter president for the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals and a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council. His insights have helped dozens of agents reach success in their business and his passion for training drives him daily. Here's the show. What's going on guys? Welcome into episode number four of the Ask Tony Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's post Thanksgiving week, so I hope all of you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Now it's time for Christmas, so I hope you guys have some fun plans for this holiday season. Let's get right into it. I'm looking to buy my first home and I've heard you can do it without a down payment. Is that true? So down payments are a big deal. And right now there's a lot of marketing out there. There's a lot of agents talking about all these down payment assistance programs that you can buy a home with no money down, $500 down. There's a lot of grants out there as well. And so people tend to get confused because they start to think, well, I don't need a down payment. I can still buy a property. Now, technically that's true. You can buy a home with no down payment as long as you qualify for programs like Utah housing, certain grant programs and things like that. But the important thing here guys is it's not free money right? A down payment is always going to be required. But with some of these programs like Utah Housing, for example, that here in my state, it's one of the most popular ones, it's a second loan. So you still have to pay for it. But what the what Utah Housing does is they give you one big loan for your mortgage, and then they give you a little loan for your down payment funds. And the problem with that is that the interest rates are way, way higher. So you have to kind of think about it in terms of how the bank sees it. Now, the bank assesses your your file based on risk. And how do they determine that? Things like your FICO score, things like how much you make, all the debts that, that you have, things that we've talked about in the past, but also how much money you have. And if you don't have any money, then it's a higher risk for the bank because they're gonna loan you money and you don't have any. So it kind of puts them on their heels a little bit and they have to charge you a much higher interest rate to be able to make it work. So while technically you can buy a home with no down payment, I don't really recommend it. And actually in this past year, a ton of people come into my office thinking no down payment, thinking I'm not gonna give it, I'm not gonna give it. But once they understand how it works and once they see the huge difference in their numbers that it makes, 99% of people end up bringing a down payment at the end of the day. Because just to give you a quick example, there's about a $40,000, $45,000 difference in your home value of what you could buy for the exact same price. So let's say for example, you could buy a $300,000 house for one monthly payment, bringing a down payment. If you went to a program that doesn't have a down payment, you could only buy a house for like 255, 260, and you would have the exact same monthly payment for both homes. And the quality in, 255, 260 to 300 is remarkable. So my recommendation is always bring a down payment and actually it's better to wait a little bit, save up for your down payment and then buy rather than jump in and getting a loan that has a super, super high interest rate. Um, it's just gonna be more expensive and that's not a very popular opinion amongst agents because most agents just wanna sell a house fast and they wanna get you through the process quickly but it's in your best interest to find a way to bring a down payment. How can I improve my public speaking skills? Public speaking is something that 
I have really tried to get better at. Um, when I was a kid, I had a stutter and I still have it a little bit, but when I was young, it was really, really bad. So I was very self-conscious about, you know, talking or I remember going to church and sometimes you had to give like talks or something, even as a kid. And I struggled a lot with that. I struggled, you know, in junior high and high school, giving presentations, giving reports and things like that. I was super self-conscious about it. But really what it comes down to is just like anything else, it's practice. If you want to become a better public speaker, you have to practice. And there, there are two things in my opinion that make a good public speaker. Number one is what I just mentioned, practice. So you have have to do it all the time. And if you're an, an aspiring speaker, there are organizations like Toastmasters, for example. Toastmasters is an organization that basically trains public speakers and they're all over the place. So wherever you're at, if you just go to Google and you type Toastmasters, um, I'm sure that you can find a local chapter to join and they're super helpful. So you have to practice and you have to get comfortable with yourself. That's number one. And number two, you have to understand your subject matter. You have to know what you're talking about because for a lot of people, they start to give speeches or they want to talk about things that they don't really understand. And when that happens, you're always afraid. You're afraid that someone's going to ask you a question that you can't answer, that you're going to get stuck. And so that causes you to not be a good public speaker, to not have that confidence because the audience can tell. I mean, you guys watch these videos and I hope that you know that I know what I'm talking about. But if you watch another video of somebody that has no clue, that transmits. I mean, people can tell. People can, can smell a fake a mile away. So uh, you want to understand your subject matter, whatever that is, if it's fashion, if it's fitness, if it's business, motivation, photography, I mean, what, whatever your your topic is, you want to understand it well enough to be able to then go out and talk about it and you want to talk about it as often as you can so that you get good. How do I go about finding a good deal to flip? All right, so flipping houses. It's something that is all over TV. There's a lot of cool TV shows about people flipping houses and things like that. And so it's super popular. And it's something that people think that you can just do, that anybody can do, but it's just not the case. Finding deals to flip is very difficult. Uh, it, once you find one, if you find the right deal and you do it, you can have big profits on the back end, but it's not easy. So how do you find a good deal? You just gotta go out and door knock. To be honest, you got to network with people. You got to, you know, find the the key is to find one of two things. You have to either find a property that is in really really bad shape, so much so that it can't be sold for a normal price, and so the owner decides to just kind of let it go because they don't want to deal with it. So they just, you know, unload it off of you at a much cheaper price, and then you fix it and you flip it. That's number one. Number two is to find people that can no longer make their house payments. You know, people that are really far behind, they have notice of defaults, they're gonna get their home taken away. And so sometimes, depending on the situation, uh, you can work out a deal uh, to buy their home. Now, I'm not a big fan of that because in my opinion, there's a lot of investors out there. Now, again, this is my personal opinion, but I've seen this myself where people are in desperate situations and some investors, not all, but some investors tend to take advantage of people. And because they're in such a tight situation or they have really big time constraints, they don't have enough time to put their market, to put their home on the market and wait for that whole process. They're going to take it away. So then an investor comes in and says, Hey, I'll buy, I'll buy your house in a week, but you know, 50, 60, 70, $80,000 cheaper than what they could get in the normal market. So I'm not a big fan of that. Um, in my opinion, the best way to go about it is just to find distressed properties. But again, how do you do that? You got to pound the pavement. You got to drive around. You got to get to know your neighborhood, see where, you know, the rough areas are at and try to find a home that is in bad shape. Try to contact the seller. Um, 
and see if they're willing to make a deal. And if so, then it goes to the second part, which is you have to have money. And if you don't have money, you have to have access to money, typically in the form of hard money lenders and things like that. So uh, it's not just finding a deal and flipping it and doing it. It takes a lot of work. You have to have the right contractors in place that are trustworthy. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big business, guys. And it takes a lot of work and it's not as easy as it might seem, but the way to get a deal is to go out there, knock on doors and try to find a deal. What advice would you give a high school senior deciding if he wants to go to college or not? All right, guys, so college. College is a topic where I personally have evolved my point of view over time. Initially, when I was you know, younger, getting into real estate, uh, I didn't feel that college was necessary. I felt like anybody could succeed and you didn't have to have a college degree. Now I see things a little bit different. And the reason why I see it differently is because uh, my mentor, the person that was my broker initially, his name's Daniel, he has an MBA. And once I got into the business, I just started realizing that there's so many things on the back end to running a business that you're just never taught. So are there certain people that can be successful without a college degree? Sure, they do exist. There are anomalies. There are people that have made millions of dollars and they don't have a degree. But for most people, I think it's incredibly valuable for two reasons. Number one, college teaches you valuable skills. Skills like responsibility, like you know, getting your work done on time, being accountable, teamwork. I mean, college has a lot of valuable aspects to it as you, know, you go through the entire process. By the time you graduate, you know, you've done projects with teams, you know, you've, you've done your homework, you've taken the test, you've studied, you've been accountable. So you have a basic skill set that then can translate into the business world or whatever it is that you want to do. That's number one. Number two is there There are a lot of careers that it's just necessary. I mean, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be, you know, so many different careers out there, you have to have a degree. So not everybody in the world can be an entrepreneur. So if you're a high school senior or high school junior, and you're thinking about college. My question to you would be, what do you want to do? What are your skills? What are your talents? What are you good at? And does that require a degree? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. And if it does, then you know you gotta put yourself through that. But even somebody who wants to start a business, there's so much value in college. Now, the flip side is I think it's way too expensive. Um, I think that you know things like generals, classes like that are a complete waste of time. So I do think that the system needs to be improved. Because for example, my wife, she's a music major and she's wasting her time taking astronomy courses and you know all this junk and it, it does not apply to, to what she wants to do. So I do think that the system needs to be changed but it's extremely valuable. So even if you want to start a business, I'd think about it. What's your definition of gratitude? All right, guys, so gratitude. We just had Thanksgiving just last week, um, and I'm actually gonna be, ma be making a video for one of my other platforms about this topic. Gratitude is, in my opinion, it's the framework. It's the foundation. Uh, you can never grow if you're not grateful for, for what you already have. And so something that I learned early on in my career from one of my mentors was you have to see yourself in the sense that there's always someone that's better than you, and there's always someone that's below you. Always, no matter what you're talking about, no matter what situation you're in. So us as, as entrepreneurs, as you know, agents, as people in general, we always want more. We wanna make more money. We wanna have a nicer house. We wanna have you know, whatever it is, nicer clothes. We want a better car. We always want more, 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 which is fine. There's nothing wrong with the pursuit of having more, but if you don't start with a basis of gratitude, you're gonna lose. Because what ends up happening is you get so caught up in the chase that you forget about what you already have. And I see 
see this a lot in business. I see this a lot with big entrepreneurs. They just forget about what they have. And you start to compare yourself with people that have more and all of a sudden what you have isn't enough and you're not happy with it. Even though if we thought about it, there's so many people in the world that don't have anything. I mean, think about it. If you have a roof over your head, if you have hot water, if you have access to food, if you have access to you know, healthcare, whatever it is, your situation may not be ideal. But if you have those things, you're in the top, I don't know, 10%, 5% in the, in, in the entire world. So you have to be grateful for that first and understand to cherish what you already have and then build upon that. But if you flip it around, it doesn't work because you're never gonna be satisfied. If you, every time that you go one step above, you're gonna see people that are, five steps above you. And if you go up those five steps, there's people that are five steps above you there. So you're never going to be satisfied and you're never going to be happy. So in my opinion, you know, the definition of gratitude is understanding how blessed you are, even if your life isn't perfect, even if you have issues, even if, you know, whatever it, it may be, trust me, you're doing super well. You're doing much better than you think you're doing. And from there, you build.